Good morning. It's good to see you guys this morning. If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here and I have the privilege today to to be up here to open God's word and to look at what it has to say. And what we'll attempt to do is figure out how that applies to our lives so that we can then go out and live in accordance with what we learn together today from God's Word. If this is your first time hanging out with us, uh, man, we want to say a special welcome to you. We know you could have picked a whole lot of other places today to spend your time. And the fact that you chose to come and spend that time with us means a lot to us. And we would love to have the opportunity to get to know you a little bit better. Here's how we'd like to do that. We're going to ask you all to stand up right now. And if you'll come up front and introduce yourselves, we'll give you the mic. No, that's not how we do it here. That's not how we do it. Here's, here's all we want from you if this is your first time hanging out with us. Uh, when you walked in today, you received a program. And at the bottom of that program is a part that tears off. We call that a connection card. If you'll fill that out with just a little bit of information about you and then take that to the hub, that was the area located right inside the doors as you came in, and give that to our volunteers there, you can exchange that for a gift. We have a gift for you. It's just our way of saying thanks for spending some time with us. We're really, really glad that you're here, and we'd love to get to know you and to get you connected to some more people inside of our church because we just believe that we were designed to do life together. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what I want to talk to all of us to get today about is the, the value of being connected in community with other people, specifically other believers. And, and I want to set it up like this. Um, have you ever started something with the best of intentions only to see those intentions wane over the course of time? Let me, let me give you an example. Um, like, have you ever, um, like, worked really hard to get your yard the way you wanted it to look? Like, you did all the landscaping, and you pulled all the weeds, and you laid out all the mulch, and you planted all the flowers, and then you looked at your spouse or your family, and you said, man, isn't this gorgeous? Now, here's all we got to do. Right, we got to stay on top of this thing, because if we pull the weeds a little bit as we go, and if we, you know, maintain it, and we cut the grass, you know, every so often, if we cut it frequently, then, then we never have to work this hard, and it'll always look this good. Anybody? And then six months later, like you're mowing the flower bed because there's more weeds than flowers. Like it's just easier to mow it than to actually weed it, right? Or, or how about this? Let's talk about dieting, right? Anybody at the beginning of the new, like we're a couple months in now, New Year's resolutions are done, man. Like they're just gone. Like you start the new year, like, all right, this is the year. This is the year that I get fit. I'm gonna eat right. I'm gonna drink nothing but water and eat kale. And I'm gonna work out 14 hours a day. Like I'm gonna kill it this year. And I'm gonna be awesome at the end of 2017. Man, it's April, y'all. I don't know about you. I ain't been to the gym in months. <laughs> And I like KFC more than I like kale. You know what I'm talking about, right? And the best of intentions just, they just kind of, we just kind of drift off of them, don't we? What about this? Um, when you get a new car or, or a new to you car, because we don't finance new cars, right? Uh-huh. That's right. Bringing it back. That's right. I did it. I said it. I know y'all still mad. I don't care. All right. But you get a, you get a car that's new to you. And it's so pretty because it just you drive it off the lot and it's, they clean it up real good. And you get it home and you're like, all right, new rules for the family. 
No food in the car. We're going to clean it out every single time we get out. In this car, it's going to be different because the last car, I mean, dang, it was a train wreck. But this car is going to be differently. And then six months later, it looks like this. That's my car. That's my car from Thursday. When I went out to, to get my daughter's lunchbox and I looked at it, I said, this, I'm preaching about this on Sunday. I'm going to take a picture and show everybody. Now, I should be clear. That's my wife's car. <laughs> that's not, that, but my truck looks just as bad. Because we start off with the best of intentions, don't we? Like, I'm just, I'm going to get this right. I'm going to do this well. This time it's going to be different. What happens? What happens? We, we drift, don't we? It, even with the best of intentions and with a heart that's pure and with all the best ideas in mind, we, we drift. And if you'll notice, we tend to drift away from the things that are good for us. Healthy living, dieting, budgeting, keeping our cars clean, keeping our yard looking good. All of the things that are, that are good for us, those are the things that seem to take the most work to be good at, don't they? As a matter of fact, here's the thought. If you wanna write this down, you can take some notes today. We don't, we don't have connect groups meeting this week, so I'm gonna give you a lot of notes, a lot of stuff to write down. If it's good for us, we drift from it. If it's good for us, we rarely drift towards it. Oftentimes, or almost every time, we drift away from the things that are good from us. If this is the current, if the current of life always takes us away from the things that are good for us. And while this is true for dieting and budgeting and cleaning and all that other kind of stuff, it's, it's, good, it's, it's true for that. It's also true about our walk with God. That, that we oftentimes start off on fire. Do you remember? Remember when you gave your life to Christ? Remember that new believer? Remember that new believer smell? Right, kind of the new car smell? Like it's, you're so in love with Jesus and it's just all about Jesus all day, every day and then you kind of grow in this walk with him and this relationship with Christ and you just, over time, it just doesn't seem to feel like it has the same passion that it once did <clears throat> because this is also true with God because in every facet of our lives, the current of life takes us away from things that are good for us. In other words, we are always swimming when it pertains to the most important things. We are always swimming against the current. We're always swimming upstream. And here's the thing that we know because scripture teaches it over and over and over and over is that you were never meant to swim alone. You were never meant to do life alone. You were never meant to struggle or to try and keep yourself in check alone. Which is why here in, at Fusion City Church, when we began this church, we adopted this idea that we wanted to be a church that was all about community. We wanted to be a church that does life face-to-face, -face, not just shoulder-to-shoulder. So, so we, we, uh, we stole it. We, we stole this saying from, a, from another church called North Point uh, Community Church in Atlanta. And this is the saying, circles are better 
than Rose. Now this morning you're sitting in Rose. I love Rose. I like to preach. And this is, this is where I get to do what I love. This morning you're sitting in Rose. But here's what I've learned to be true. And here's what I know to be true because I believe that scripture teaches it adequately is that circles are so much better than rows. And life done face to face is better than life done shoulder to shoulder. Which is why when we started Fusion City Church, we said this was going to be a central focus of our church, that we were going to be a church that did life face to face because we understand the value of community and the difficulty that we have when we try to swim against the current of life that always takes us away from the things that are good from us, that we need community. We need circles. We need people around us that are checking on us and helping us stay the course. Now, what's interesting is this isn't a new phenomenon. This isn't new information. This isn't a new idea. As a matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews, and we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, addressed this very fact. Now, here's what you got to know about every writer of the New Testament. Writers in the New Testament were either direct, had direct contact or interaction with Jesus Christ, or they had direct contact with people who had direct contact with Jesus Christ. So they're at the most one relationship removed from Jesus. And they, this writer still understood that as believers, we have a propensity in our lives. We have the capacity to drift away from the things of God that are best for us. So this is what they said. In the third chapter of Hebrews, if you want to follow along on your Bibles or if you're looking with us in the YouVersion app on your phone or we're going to put the words on the screen, you can follow along wherever you like. But he said this, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. He said, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Now, now, here's what's interesting. This writer is, it's actually Hebrews is a letter. He's writing a letter to, to Christians, to believers. And he's writing to believers to tell them, keep a check on, brothers and sisters, your unbelieving, sinful heart so that you do not turn away from God. And again, writing to, to Christians. Well, who in their right mind would turn away from God? Who, who in their right mind would, would know what is right and choose to do what is wrong? Who would know what is right, know that it displeases the God they say they believe in, and yet still do what's wrong? Who in their right mind would do that? Yeah, I, I, yeah all of us, right? All of us at some point or in our own way have turned away from the living God. Each of us has fallen victim to the sinfulness in us and done things that we know God asks us not to do or has told us to do that we don't do. Each of us in our own way has turned away. Now, now you would say, who, who in their right mind would do that? And if you're not a believer this morning or if you, you know, you're, you're not Christian but you believe in God or wherever you are in your, your walk of faith, whatever that is, this is where you have the perfect opportunity to go at the Christians, right? So you say that you believe in this God and this God has communicated to you through Jesus 
that you're supposed to do some things and not do certain things. And some of those things are that we're supposed to be generous and compassionate and loving and forgiving and all this other kind of stuff. And then when you catch us not doing that, you, you have every right to then say, hey, Christian, didn't you, don't you say you believe that God told you to do these things and yet you're not doing them? Well, yeah, I, I do believe that. And I'm not, I'm not doing what I know that I, that I should be or that I, that I could be doing. Because all of us, in our own way, have the capacity. We have the ability, though knowing what God says and what God would have us to do, to do the very opposite. Why? Because we drift. We drift. Here's what's interesting. We do this in, in, in multiple types of scenarios. We, we find ourselves drifting for lots of different reasons. For example, if, things, if you've run into a string of bad luck and, and bad thing after bad thing after bad thing tends to happen to you and you eventually get to the place where you say, well, I guess God is either angry with me or there's no God. Like we kind of we drift and we find ourselves distant in our relationship from God because things have gone poorly for us. But in contrast, oftentimes what we, what we see, and we, we talked about this this week in the office, the, the staff. Oftentimes we'll see people who seem to grow distant from God following the string of a lot of good things happening to them. Well, things are going really well for me and this is in order and my family is doing well and I'm healthy and I'm this and this and this. And they begin to stop doing the things that they used to do that got them to a place of health because they feel like they're good. Like, uh, hey, everything's going great for me. I guess I can miss a couple of connect groups or I guess I can stop going to church for a while or maybe I'll back off on my volunteering. All the things that got you to a place of health and a good standing and a good spot with God, all the things that got you there, you think, well, I'm good now, so I'll stop doing them. And then they wonder why they begin to, to drift. H- have you ever seen it happen? You should hang out with us in the office every now and then. We get calls. Like, Pastor Ron, I know I haven't been to church in like seven years, but... um. Could you, man, I, I'll do the best I can to help, but gosh, I, I'd have loved to have been helping you all along. And maybe if you'd have had community all along, you might not even be in the position that you're in now. And it's hard to have that conversation with people, but you have to be honest with them. Like at this point, man, it's going to be, we can try to put all the pieces back together, but man, we could have probably kept all the pieces together if you'd have continued to do the things that got you to a place of health in the first place which is exactly what this writer of Hebrews is trying to communicate, that there's, there's a sense of community in what, what the writer is, is teaching us. As a matter of fact, notice all the plurals in this. All right, look at, look at back at verse 12 again. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of y'all, I changed it so we'd understand it in Southern. Like, <clears throat> see to it that none of y'all, that's, that's you, plural, has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Here's what he's saying. Brothers and sisters, see to it. In other words, you need to be checking up on people. You need to be checking. Y'all need to be checking up on each other in the New Southern Translation. Here's what he's saying. That this, this unbelieving heart is something that starts in side of us, this drift that we experience away from the things that are good from us, this drift starts from the heart. It starts within us. As a matter of fact, if you don't write that down, the drift begins within. The drift starts inside of us. 
And here's the thing. When, as you begin to drift, because all of us do it, right? Do your hands like this. We all drift. As you begin to drift, if there is no one in your life who has access to you to be able to point out to you, hey, I think I see you kind of beginning to, to, to fall off or to, to change in the way that you, you, you look and think and talk about certain things because this drift it seems to happen. And if nobody knows what's going on, if no one has access to you, then there's nobody to help you when you begin to drift, which is why we say that circles are better than rows because today you're in rows. And here's the truth. Rows don't know because it doesn't show in a row. All right, you tracking? Because, because no, 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 come on. This is Sunday morning. This is church. We know how to look good in rows, don't we? If you're pulling into the parking lot, you're here 15 minutes late or 20. Come on, let's be honest. I'm in 20 now, you pull into the parking lot on two wheels, all the kids in the back screaming and fighting with each other and you, you're all yelling at each other and you're angry and maybe you said some language that you don't want your pastor to know you was talking. Like you get in the parking lot, like, all right, everybody, cool it. Like you fix your hair and touch up your makeup and get out, of, get out of the car and you walk in here and it says, church, 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 church. Everybody looks good in a row. But the rows don't know because what's going on inside of you doesn't show in a row. And that's why we say that circles are better than rows because they know something that the rows don't. And it's something that only shows up when someone has access to you. And so the, the writer goes on, he's going to say, all right, so, so here's what you got to understand, or here's what you got to do to, to stop from drifting. This is what he says. He says, but encourage one another, verse 13, but encourage one another. Now that, that word encourage there, it doesn't mean like, good job, or keep it up, or it's, it's, it's not that kind of encourage. As a matter of fact, this, this little word in the Greek, uh, this word encourage, it, it means to, to appeal to, to urge strongly to beg to implore there's a sense of urgency to this word he says but encourage one another here's what he's saying you got to get in each other's business a little bit and see that oftentimes we don't like that but if you want to keep yourself from drifting you got to let somebody in and they have to have the relational capital with you to be able to call you on some of your junk Somebody has to have access. Think about how, how things might have been differently for you growing up. If your mom or your dad would have had someone in their life that had access to them. How might your family have been different growing up? Because for a lot of us, for a lot of you, your parents came to a place kind of like this and they sat in rows every single week. But there was something that happened that destroyed your family because the rows didn't know. And imagine if there would have been somebody there to encourage them, to, to implore them, to beg them, to exhort to them how things might have been differently. And then he goes on, he says, but encourage one another. And then he kind of makes it a little stronger daily, all right? But encourage one another daily as long as it's called 
today. And then he's going to give us, there's something, it's a, it's a purpose statement. You see this in, uh, in the Greek language every now and then. It's a little, little phrase or a little word that, set, that sets up what's getting ready to come after is going to, to give you the reason for everything that's come before. It's a little purpose statement in the Greek, and this is, it's just two words, so that. So encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, because or so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. This is an interesting phraseology here because oftentimes in the New Testament, what you'll see is that New Testament writers, they, they personify sin. They, they give it almost humanistic characteristics. of uh, They depict it as sin is something that lives inside of us that is there trying to deceive us, right? Now, oftentimes we think of sin as something that we do. We, we commit sins. But I think it's helpful for us to here to understand sin the way that the writer of Hebrews is depicting it for us because he's saying, no, sin is something that's in you. It's active. And what it is actively trying to do as it lives inside of you is it is trying to deceive you. It's something in us that deceives us. And we know this to be true. Because here's, here's what all of us have a tendency to do. Let me see if you agree. We can talk ourselves into some stupid things, can't we? It, it, it always starts with this, this little internal dialogue. It, it typically happens when you're driving, right? Like you're driving down the road and, and, it, and it's like, you know, you deserve better. You know, I, I mean, she, almost, she almost forced me to do this. I mean, if, if all my coworkers knew what I'm going through the way that I know what I'm going through, then nobody would blame me. My, there's, my parents will never know what's going on if I don't. If I could just do a little bit or if I'd be more satisfied if or I'd be more fulfilled if. Or, you know, I don't even know if I really want to be married anymore. And all these thoughts, we begin to tell ourselves some stupid, stupid things and we begin to believe them. Why? Because there is sin inside of us that deceives us. And we begin to lie to ourselves and we start believing the stupid things that we tell ourselves. Because it's you telling you, therefore you're always going to believe it. So I, I found this quote from Andy Stanley. I thought this was brilliant. The, the best defense against the stupid things inside of you, the, the best defense against the deceitfulness inside of you is not you. It's a we. Now this is bad grammar, but it's a really good point to make. We is the best defense against the deceitfulness of sin in you. You are not the best defense against deceit inside of you. We, us, we are the best defense against the deceitfulness of sin that's inside of you. Because you're always going to believe you. So let me, let's, let's do this. We'll, we'll do this exercise. Don't, don't say it out loud, but just answer this question in your head. What are you telling yourself these days? What are you telling yourself these days? You know, yeah, she always does that. And when she does, it just makes me want to, 
whatever. Or he, you know, he never, every time he says this, I, whatever. You know, if, if I just could find a different way or maybe you know, that, there's that girl at work that's really nice to me. And if I, you know, I wish my wife would treat me the way. And if I just could, you know, get a little closer to him and, oh, we're just friends. But it's, what are you telling yourself these days that's the seed of something dangerous? That's the seed of some kind of change in your life that you would never normally consider. Now you're considering a change that even you know is out of character for you, but you've spent so much time dwelling on that thought and dwelling on that hurt or that conflict or that difficult interaction or exchange. And you spent so much time dwelling on it that you're beginning to consider something that you know is not characteristic of yourself. It, it, what are you, let's answer it this way. You can write this down. What are you telling yourself these days that if you were to tell someone else, they'd think you've lost your mind? What are you telling yourself? That if you were to actually speak the words out loud to someone else and have them repeat them back to you, that they would tell you, I think you've lost your mind. Because that's a, that's, a very, that's a very powerful aspect of community. Let me ask you, have you ever said something out loud that sounded a whole lot better in your head? Any, anybody other than me? And sometimes just, just speaking it out loud is enough to change us, isn't it? To, to say it to out loud to somebody else and then have, have, have them look at you with that like the one eye, like the eyebrow raised thing, like, I'm sorry, say that again? Like, yeah, you know, you know what? Now that I said it, nah, I'm good. Like, I don't even need it. Or it's just the power of having somebody close to you tell you, I think you are out of your mind. And that's, that's just enough of a moment to stop the drift long enough for us to kind of take an evaluation of self and say, you know what? You're right. I think I, I'm not going to do that. That's a, that's a horrible decision. There's no, you're right. I'm, I'm crazy. And they may think you're crazy. But they may very well keep you from crazy because they think you're crazy. That's the power of community. Now, come on, think with me. How, how, how things would have been different if somebody would have, if your older brother or your older sister would have had somebody in their life. And they could have said, hey, here's something I'm thinking about. And they, they would have had somebody there for them that would say, you know, you, I think you've lost your mind. And how much differently would have life been for them and for you if they would have had somebody there for them and their response to me, you know what? You're right, that, that is self-destructed and a really bad decision. I'm, I'm not gonna do that. What if somebody would have been there for your mom or for your dad? What if somebody would have been there for you 20 years ago and to that one life regret that you look back at now and you say, you know, if I'd have had somebody then that would have had access to me, that could have helped me see that I was believing some stuff that I was telling myself that was pretty dumb at the time. How your life might have been different now if you'd have had somebody there for you that you'd allowed access to 20 years ago. That is the power of community. It's the power of circles. The drift begins within so we have to let someone 
in. You gotta, when, when, when all of the, the stupid things that you're telling yourself, it starts here, right? It starts inside, it starts within. You've got to allow someone access to the place where the stupid things are, are happening so that they can stop it before it turns into a stupid thing outside. Like the, the drift begins within, but when we begin to drift out, that's when we really get into trouble. We need people in our lives to help us stop the drift where it starts. And so the, the, the author of, of Hebrews, he, he's laying all of this out for us. And then he, it almost feels like a subject change in the very next verse. But, but I want to show you how it all ties together. So I'm gonna, I want to read this verse in its entirety. And then we'll go back and, and explain how all of this ties to what was going on before. Look at this, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 14. He says, we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. And again, you'd almost think, well, what does that have to do with what he was just talking about? And here's what he's saying. How you know that you are a follower of Christ is if you hang on to your original conviction. He's saying, remember when you believed in Christ? Remember that crazy, like, psycho love Jesus person that you are? You remember that person? Remember the original convictions that you held on that? And, and maybe you, you believed in Christ then, and maybe you've, you've kind of had an absence from that now. You've walked away from that. Maybe you believed in Christ then, and you've not quite believed so much now. Or maybe you believed in a kid, and you're coming back to church for the first time or the first time in a long time, or, or, or however that works for you. But he said, remember your original conviction because that's the way that you know if you're in Christ, that you belong to Christ, that you share in Christ is if you're holding on to that original conviction. Because nobody goes from I believe in Christ to I don't believe in Christ in, in one moment. It never happens. It always happens over the process of time. You wanna know why? Because we drift Right? It was never like, I met a girl and now I don't believe in God. Right? It was, no, it was, I, I met a girl and then one thing kind of, uh, I start, stopped to believe this and I stopped to think about, this, I started to think about this differently and then this differently and then all this. And then, and then now I don't believe in God. But it wasn't, I, I met a girl and now I don't believe in God. It was, it was a process because we, we drift. We make small compromises and small concessions. And along the way, we begin to, to drift. And what the writer is saying is if we're not careful that the drift can lead us all the way into, into unbelief to a place that what we, the original conviction that we held, we no longer hold. What he's saying is that the drift that begins within, if it goes unchecked, it can affect everything. One thing affects everything. We have to hold on to our original conviction. How do we do that? How do we do that? We do that by avoiding the deceitfulness of sin that is in us. How do we avoid the deceitfulness of sin that is in us? By allowing someone access to us. Well, how do we allow somebody access? You gotta be in a circle. Like, you guys know I'm, a, I'm kind of a math geek. I like equations. And so this seems very logical to me, 
Right, so the, the writer of Hebrews is saying this, if you wanna know that you're in Christ, if you wanna know that you share in Christ, that you belong to Christ, that you and Christ are cool, like if you wanna know that you're good with God, you have to hold on to the original conviction that you had when you became a believer. Well, dang, that's hard because I drift, so how do I keep myself from drifting? Man, you, you, you gotta stop lying to yourself. And once you stop lying to yourself, how, how do you stop lying to yourself or believing the lies that you said? You gotta have somebody. You gotta have somebody. And if I don't have somebody, how do I get a somebody? How do I get a person? How do I get my person? You gotta get in a circle. You have to be in a circle. If you don't intend to abandon everything, and none of us do, you listen, you wouldn't be in church this morning. We're listening to the podcast right now, for those of you listening to the podcast, speaking to the people in the future. Like you, you wouldn't be in church this morning if you intended to abandon everything that has to do with your relationship with God, would you? I mean, if you are, it's weird, but we're glad you're here. Like, if you don't intend to abandon the whole thing, you have to pay attention to the little things. Because it's the drift, it's the drift that happens and it happens over a long course of time and we find ourselves in a place that we don't want to be. And the best possible way to stop the drifting is you need a circle. You need some people in your life that will get in your face and call you, tell you you're crazy and help you find a way back. So right now, in the life of our church, we're in a two-week break for our connect groups. Uh, our last session was this past week, and in two weeks, we'll, we'll start again. If you're not in a connect group, if you're not in a circle, you need to be. There is nothing more important, listen to me, I love to preach, but if I had to choose, if I had to pick whether or not you would show up every week and listen to me talk or whether you would go and become part of a circle, I would tell you to go be part of a circle. There is nothing more important than to your walk with Christ than to be in biblical community, to be in a circle because circles are better than rows. You need a circle. We're going to be signing up for connect groups over the next couple of weeks. If you're not in a group, if you haven't been in a group, you need a group. You want to know why? Because you drift. Because you drift. Because your diet and your car and your walk with God are not as clean and clear as you'd like for them to be. Because you drift. And the only way you can stop from drifting is to be part of a circle. Pray with me. Father. God, I hope this message lands as, as powerfully as I intended for it to be. Because, God, there is nothing more important in our walk with you than the, the need that we have to be accountable, to be around other believers that are helping us figure this thing out and walk more closely and carefully with you. So, Father, for all of us in the room right now that do not have a circle of people that we can lean on, call on, that are going to give us good, godly, biblical advice 
and to talk us out of the stupid things we're telling ourselves. God, we need it. So, Father, I would pray right now that you would begin to impress on us, show us the things in our life that we need to jettison, that we need to eject, to make room for time with a circle. Because, God, there is nothing more important. There's nothing that we can do to draw us closer to you than to be part of a circle. So, God, show us the things that we need to remove if anything needs to be removed. God, help us to make this a priority so that we can stop the drift away from the things that would draw us closer to you. God, we love you. We thank you for your son. It's in his name I pray. Amen.